in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's program, we have an interview with Arno Hamburger, the president of the Jewish community in my hometown, Nuremberg. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Berlin. Germany's troop numbers in Afghanistan should be increased. Defense Minister Jung stressed that Germany would continue to focus its efforts on the relatively peaceful north of the country. The current German mandate for its troops runs out in mid-October, when Parliament must approve a renewal. Some days before, the German Foreign Ministry announced it would provide 420 million euros for reconstruction in Afghanistan. Berlin. Germany has marked the 55th anniversary of June 17th uprising. In 1953, thousands of workers in East Germany took to the streets to protest against the communist regime. Dozens of protesters were killed in a crackdown by Soviet troops and East German police. Berlin Mayor Klaus Wowereit said it was a key date in German history. It underscored exactly what the GDR stood for, a dictatorship. Around a million people participated in the protests in around 700 towns and communities. Berlin. Despite numerous memorials to the Cold War, Berlin has no museum dedicated to the conflict. Now a campaign backed by former Czech president Václav Havel and other high-profile politicians is calling for one to be built near Checkpoint Charlie. The vision for the museum is to transform Checkpoint Charlie from a tourist attraction into a place where visitors can learn about the Cold War, not just in Berlin but all over the world. A museum that looks at the whole conflict, examining the division of the world, the proxy wars, the arms race and the pervasive fear. Checkpoint Charlie was the most famous crossing point between East and West Berlin during the period when the Berlin Wall divided the city. Berlin. Most Germans think that their economy is unfair. A survey released this month shows that almost three-quarters of the country's citizens are unhappy with economic conditions. Many Germans are concerned that the rich and the poor are drifting apart. In May last year, the unemployment rate in Germany was 9.1%, but had dropped to 7.8% by this May. Nevertheless, a year ago, just a little over half of all Germans were wary of Germany's economic model. Berlin. Football is still ruling these days and a new German folk tradition takes root. The 2006 World Cup has spawned a football carnival. Even after tepid wins of their team, Germans put on funny wigs and race around town waving flags. After the 1-0 victory over Austria, some 10,000 people converged on Berlin's Kurfürstendamm Boulevard after the match and there were similar scenes across the nation. Before the World Cup two years ago, Germans would have reacted to such a match by taking a relieved swig of beer and then going to bed. A giant public viewing area set up in 2006 turned watching football into a more collective experience than it was before. A euphoric party mood that Germany is determined to recreate now.
Radio Goethe listeners know that I'm from Nuremberg and that Nuremberg is close to my heart. When I moved to the United States, I realized that my hometown has a very bad reputation. People over here only know about the Nazi party rallies, the Nuremberg race laws or the Nuremberg trials, symbolizing the darkest chapter in the German history. But Nuremberg is more, much more. An almost thousand-year-old city with a rich cultural history that also faced and still faces the dark times of 1933 to 1945 and its responsibility. Growing up in Nuremberg, I remember that Arno Hamburger was always there and present in the public. Later, I found out about his story from a young boy in Nuremberg in the 1920s to a member of the city council and the president of the Jewish community. It is an amazing one, a life story that needs to be told. Uh, my name is Arno Hamburger. I'm the president of the Jewish community in Nuremberg. I was born in Nuremberg in 1923. And uh, I left Germany in uh, August 1939, immigrated to Palestine, joined the British Army in the beginning of 41, returned to Nuremberg in 1945, worked for three years at the Palace of Justice, at the successor processes of the IMT. And as I said, I'm today the uh, president of the Jewish community in Nuremberg. Can you describe your life in Nuremberg before the Nazis came to power? Well, uh, our family, uh, my father was born in Nuremberg, as I was born in Nuremberg myself, and uh, we had a normal uh, life until the Nazis took over. In 1933, my father already lost his business in 1933. And uh, I uh, left school, the the Jewish uh, elementary school, in 1937. Started working as an apprentice in a a Jewish firm which was destroyed at the so-called Crystal Night in the night of the 9th to the 10th uh, November 1938. And uh, then, as I said, I left Germany on the 22nd of August 1939 alone. My family... uh, remained in Nuremberg. My father was conscripted for forced labor already in May 39. And uh, I didn't hear anything from my parents from 39 to 45. And after the end of the war, I was discharged in 46 from the army. I returned to Nuremberg and uh, started working at the Palace of Justice. How did things change with the Nazis in power? We led a a normal life like uh, every other citizen and it changed. Uh, 
in in January 1933, from one day to the other, we were outcasts. We had a very hard life, especially in Nuremberg, because uh, the uh, measures against Jews were especially hard in Nuremberg. The uh, infamous Frankenführer Julius Streicher uh, uh, led a very hard regime against the Jews here, and thus uh, life was hard and difficult. And uh, that was the reason why my parents uh, sent me off alone. They didn't have any possibility to immigrate because, as I said, my father lost his uh, business already in '33. We didn't have the means to uh, uh, get uh, a visa or a permit to leave. Germany, and thus I left alone. And of course, uh, the first months in in Palestine were very hard. I didn't have any means to communicate with uh, the family in which I uh, found uh, my my first stay in in Palestine, but. When it's necessary, you had to be had to get acquainted with the new conditions. And as a young person, it is a little bit easier than for adults. And I managed. The Jews in Nuremberg think about leaving their hometown after January 1933. People were, of course, surprised, but nobody expected uh, that it would be as terrible as it turned out later on. People at the beginning thought it would pass after a couple of months or uh, if it would go very bad after a year or so. But as it turned out, it got worse and worse, and what happened, everybody knows today. Mr. Hamburger, what do you remember about those days in early 1933? As I said, we led an absolute normal life like every other citizen in, in, in the town, and uh, it changed from one day to the other uh, when the Nazis took over. As children are, are very uh, gruesome sometimes, and uh, they didn't, uh, we Jewish children didn't have any possibility to play with our playmates as before. We were outcasts in school. We, uh, I uh, uh, left the elementary school in April 33 to a high school here in Nuremberg and I was thrown out after a couple of uh, months because I had a fight with a Christian uh, schoolmate and uh, uh, the fight turned very bad for him and for me too. I broke my thumb, he broke his head and I was thrown out of school. I had to pass over to a Jewish elementary school 
in which we didn't learn anything anymore because we had old teachers. And uh, when I left this school in 37, as I said, I went over to a Jewish firm as apprentice. And this ended after a year and a half, a year and three months, and I was out of work. And thus my parents decided to, to send me with the Jugend Aliyah to Palestine, which was a very hard decision, as well as for my parents as for me, because we didn't know what what would happen. And as I, as it turned out, we didn't hear uh, from each other for almost six years. How was this for you to get out of Nuremberg and leaving your family behind? Well, you can imagine that it was not easy. I was only 16 when I left home and uh, I uh, had to get used to a new language. I didn't speak any Hebrew. I didn't speak any English when I joined the army. And, uh, of course, the years from 39 to 45 were very, very hard, as were the years from uh, 33 to 39. But uh, I survived and... Uh, I'm still alive today. Were you somehow relieved or maybe a bit happy to be out of Nuremberg and Germany? No, I wasn't. I wasn't very happy because uh, in the time during my my uh, trip to Palestine, the war broke out, and uh, all connections to Germany were uh, severed. So I came into a family in uh, in a village. Uh, And as I said, I didn't have any any knowledge of the language. They didn't speak any German. I didn't speak any Hebrew. And, of course, life was strange. It was the first time I was away from home, uh, a new life, new conditions. And I I wasn't very... I wasn't happy at all. On the contrary, I was homesick. I cried at night. And it took a couple of months until I got a little bit acquainted, until I could uh, speak a little bit of Hebrew. And uh, the hardest uh, uh, thing was, of course, uh, that I didn't know anything about what happened in Germany. There were no letters, there was no connections at all. And when I returned in May '45 uh, as a British soldier to, to Nuremberg, um, I didn't know whether I would uh, find my parents alive. Uh, uh, my father, the life of my father was safe because, as I already mentioned, he was conscripted for forced labor in uh, May '39. The rest of the family, my grandparents, uncles and aunts, were sent to these to the uh, death camps and were killed. My father and my mother survived, but they were in a very bad condition when I returned. And that was the reason that I returned to Nuremberg after I was discharged in '46. How did you find your parents? Well, uh, my parents uh, uh, were brought by the Nazis to the Jewish cemetery and uh, survived in a small room. My father uh, 
worked uh, uh, on railroad tracks and as I, when I returned to Nuremberg, Nuremberg was uh, uh, destroyed by about 85 to 90 percent, especially the old city. And I walked around in Nuremberg. It was the 27th of May, of May uh, 45. And finally, I went to the Jewish cemetery and asked whether anybody knew anything about my parents and uh, a person whom I knew from my early childhood uh, told me that they lived in a small room in the uh, on the cemetery and I asked the person to go in and ask my father to come out because I was afraid to walk straight in and he walked towards me and didn't recognize me because, as I said, I was 16 when I left and I was 22 when I returned. But after I took off my beret, he recognized me and uh, we embraced and he shouted and my mother heard it and went out and saw us and she fainted and we picked her up and brought her into the room and uh, then we started talking and telling uh, each other what happened to us. He told me what happened to them, that my the rest of my family was deported to the east and I told them what happened to me and my mother always said if I would have known that you are in the army what I would have died seven deaths and uh, thus we uh, started to take up a new actually a new life a new life That sounds easy. How did you do that? Well, I helped my... my. I was on leave. I was in Nuremberg only three weeks in 45, but I helped my parents to uh, start living again. To, to They knew that they had hopes that their son lived and my father got his business back and started to work again. And uh, when I was discharged in '46, uh, I returned, took up work at the office chief of counsel for war crimes, and thus we step by step uh, started to to live again, to to got integrated again into the life of the city, and year by year it got better. I helped him to rebuild the Jewish community. And when I was, uh, when I finished work at the Palace of Justice and the successor trials in '49, I uh, joined him in his business, and thus we started our normal life again. Mr. Hamburger, when you came back to Nuremberg, the city was destroyed. Do you remember what you felt seeing your hometown like this? Well, uh, my first thought. When I saw the the ruins of the city, that the city now looked exactly as the uh, synagogue on the Hansak Square, which was destroyed already before the Kristallnacht in August uh, in August '38, uh, and the synagogue in the Essenweinstraße. And the flat of my uncle, 
uh, which was destroyed in the in Crystal Night, and that the words of the infamous uh, Julius Streicher, which he said on the day on which the synagogue was destroyed, that the seed which they had sown grew up. And uh, he didn't know how, uh, through his words, came only seven years later, the old city looked like the synagogues and the flat of my uncle in in 38, and thus the seed they had sown really did grow up. That was my first thought when I saw the destroyed city. Did you meet others again from before you left? Neighbors, friends, teachers? Well, uh, it was impossible to find any Nazi in Nuremberg after the war. Nobody knew anything about anything, and uh, nobody did participate. And uh, I didn't have any social contact with the citizens of Nuremberg in the first year in which I was here. But uh, I had a British passport. I was an allied uh, And uh, we, uh, the uh, people who worked at the uh, war crimes trials, we uh, founded uh, a German youth club, the GY German Youth Activities. And thus I uh, started to have again uh, social contact to the younger people. And thus uh, I started that what I did Since '46, uh, I tried to improve the uh, understanding between the uh, religions in Nuremberg, and I was able to show the youngsters. I myself was only 23, 24 years. That we choose uh, when devils with horns and and and, and tails and thus. Peu, peu à peu, I uh, found social contacts to the uh, population, and that's what I what I did and do until today. Uh, try to uh, help the or to further the understanding between the different religions and uh, I think uh, that we, the Jewish community and I myself, uh, succeeded in that we had a part in transforming the city of the Nazi release to the city of human rights and this is uh, a fact of which we are of which I am a little bit proud. Do you think Nuremberg will ever be able to step out of this shadow that the Third Reich left on our hometown? I think we made big steps in doing that. I think uh, today we are recognized in the world as the city who did the utmost to overcome its Nazi past. We have got uh, the 
Human Rights Award, which we give out every two years with the uh, uh, Road of the Human Rights. We've got the Doku uh, Center. I think uh, the city of Nuremberg did everything more than any other city in Germany to talk about the past, to show what happened, and to manifest that we are willing and do everything that Nuremberg will really be the city of human rights. And this is recognized all over the world. We have got uh, visitors of former Jewish citizens every year in Nuremberg. I think we did overcome the past to a very great extent, and we are going on doing this really very, very important work. You're very connected to Nuremberg, although so much happened here to you and your family. What does the city mean to you? Well, the city is the city in which I was born. The city is the city in which I'm a member of the city council for now over 36 years. It's the city of my uh, basic Jewish community, uh, of which I'm president since over 40 years now. And... I'm proud of the work which we did after the war, and I, hope, uh, I, I do hope that I will have a couple of years to go on with that work. And, uh, it is, it makes me, it satisfies me, and uh, I'm proud of it. When you walk today through the streets of Nuremberg, what do you see? The modern city, or also the past? I always think about the past, you can never forget it. But on the other uh, side, I say, they perished and we are alive and they did not succeed with their devilish plans to make Germany or to make Nuremberg Judenrein. We are an integral part of the city today and uh, we, uh, we are here and decide are part of the decisions which are taken in Nuremberg and they perished and they have had it and we did we not we I don't say we shall overcome we did overcome and we succeeded in staying alive and to overcome that terrible time and we are still alive here and Nuremberg is Nuremberg and Germany is not Judenrein, but they perished, and we find neo-Nazism with all our our possibilities, and we will go on to fight it, and we will try, it, and we are succeeding to achieve that what we want most that that what happened in Germany between 33 and 45 will never happen again. Mr. Hamburger, what do you hope for the future of Nuremberg? I hope that we can go on in the good work which we are doing now for many, many years and that Nuremberg will prosper and be happy 
as it is today. And I do hope that the future will bring all good and all, all the best for my home city. This was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Please find us online at radiogoethe.org where you also can subscribe to our free podcast. I'm Arndt Peltner. Music